Yep, yep, yep. And the white man ain't say much, but when they said they can understand that they will never be able to understand, I was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, I understand. I'll never be able to understand, but I'm here for you. You I'm know, here. that's all you can say, though. That's all, that's, that's that's all you can you say. say. You man, just got to be real about it, man. I sure. think we just got to be real about what's going on in our society. And uh, I mean, we're already kind of already into the podcast, yeah. so I will Let's say, you know. Intro, um, like a for real intro. Yeah, let me do the intro. So uh, first and foremost, everybody that's listening right now, this is Elevate and Meditate Radio podcast uh with your host joe mason and your co-host joshua strong man yes sir yes sir another one yes sir so um this one is going to be very special uh what we're talking about today is something that is the topic of the world right now um george floyd um you know his his trial or Derek chauvin's uh trial to excuse me um the verdict yeah it was just released today and uh uh, the police officer was uh, found guilty of all charges, which is a great relief for us as as yeah. young black males. And uh, yeah, we we just want to kind of talk yeah. about it. And you know, um, Dante Wright yeah. also fly high, fly high. Uh, this is a, another young black uh, man that's that's coming up that was just murdered by another police officer right a couple miles from here, where where we're talking today. So. Um, we really want to just kind of get into this on and just kind of be able to vent, vent out today. This is going to be like a therapeutic session for us. I need it. I know you guys need it because it's been something that's been going on and it's been the talk of the of the world yep. for, for about like the last year. And, you know, for Dante Wright, the last two weeks. So yeah. we got some um, new faces, some old faces so everybody can introduce themselves. Yeah. So, so we we'll just go right around. Yeah. I'm James. No, I'm saying, yeah. Um, you already know me from the uh, addiction and validation my boy here with me <clears throat> my name alvin aka ac i can't say alvin just say ac cool the homies second time here marcus hunter checking in yeah, i already said joshua strong and then joe mason so yes sir yes sir yes sir so there were people here today ready to get into it Definitely, man. This is a special group of guys. Like I said, um, I'm I'm happy for you guys coming here today. You know, Alvin, first time, James, Marcus, all my brothers, all my family, all in the room. So this is definitely gonna be a good one. So let's get right into it. Um, uh, I'll just start off by saying, you know, asking you guys the question. Um, what were you guys' emotion? And I think we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. But what were you guys' emotions? Just waking up this morning and hearing about like their like you know finalizing the verdict about this george floyd trial or Derek chauvin's trial sorry excuse me how do you guys feel i mean i'll start but <laughs> uh i was surprised honestly i thought that it was gonna be something that was gonna be con- included like concluding in like the next week or something i didn't know it was gonna be so soon so i got word of it kind of like an hour before it was about to be done so i was like jumped up and i said hold up you know i gotta find a live stream of this i gotta see what's going on before anything right all right so so tell me why i was sleeping right no alarm nothing i just woke up and it was right when i woke up i just came downstairs for some reason because i heard my mom screaming and it was right the same time when it was saying that he was gonna be <laughs> convicted so i was like man it was just on that man we was happy it's all good because you know the odds are against us all the time so yeah i mean that was one of the things where you know, my mom texted me i think when the news went out it was like 2 30 
that you know jury deliberated had a little uh, verdict they said it was gonna be between three and four so i'm like my heart started racing you know i feel like i got a pin in my stomach i'm like yeah it feel like just i'm nervous bro like you know when you just get like you don't feel good yeah you can't eat you can't do nothing butterflies like, yeah the butterflies and it's like three o'clock they gave you like that time stamp too like 3 30 to 4 you like eyes right, 3 30 when they gonna say it and then you get a 3 45 you like i mean what's going on here bro, i woke up four, so late bro. you get you get the four o'clock you like but they still ain't doing that a couple minutes later they showed the judge man like it's slow motion you like waiting for him like all right guilty not guilty he said guilty on that first one and from there you knew like it was just a whole bunch of relief man That's well, you you watched the whole thing yeah there was like they it was live they had it everywhere youtube twitter it was yeah just, yeah like they showed people gathering it was just tension bro like before and you know it was one of them things where like you know the news reporters were saying like it's a quick turnaround you know so they was expecting only one thing they're like well if it's a quick turnaround it's likely they found him guilty but like that te- the tension just made it feel like all right well like the whole trial seemed like it was clear cut what was going to happen but we still had that doubt you know as a, a black community like just of the things that happened in the past we like what like it's a like it's clear cut what's going to happen but you know you never know what's going to happen yeah like, yeah, yeah yeah so it was just it was it was just a big relief that's my one word to describe it yeah definitely and i feel like we have every right to have reasonable doubt you know with everything that's gone on in the past with uh oh yeah by the way let's let's just say my brother cyrus just uh just walked in on us uh the poet please go ahead and introduce yourself man thank you thank you i'm cyrus and i'm from cooper high school and i'm blessed to be here yes sir yeah so um cyrus i mean we we just kind of talking about uh the you know, first emotions that you felt uh, this morning, just waking up and hearing, or you know, probably later on in the afternoon, hearing that uh, the judge was going to give the verdict today on um, the George Floyd or Derek Chauvin's trial. Um, what were your like, first thoughts or emotions um, coming into that? I had doubt. I, I I didn't eat the whole day because I was so <laughs> worried about what the results would be. But after finding out the verdict, I was dancing. Yeah. That's pure joy. Pure joy, yeah. That's Those are the only words that you can even try to describe it, you know? Um, I, I felt that at the moment, but um, at the end, and I, and I texted Josh, it's like a deep sorrow came to me after the fact of the initial you know joy that Derek Chauvin was found guilty I, I there was sorrow um and it was probably like an abundance of reasons why but I mean I think initially it's just the fact that uh it took this it took all we of this do the most it took all of this bro um like I said the evidence is there the evidence is there um for eight minutes and 46 seconds Nine minutes and twenty nine. Nine minutes and twenty nine, actually, yeah, uh, of evidence, and it was still questionable. So I mean, just going back, this is like, this is real life. You know what I'm saying? Um, sometimes it's it's become normalized so much that we become desensitized to it. Like for me myself, I've become almost numb to seeing my people die, and seeing stories on my, uh, um, um, whether it's on Instagram facebook just seeing those stories of my people people that look exactly like me 
get killed for no apparent reason, for no real reason, for no actual. You know what I'm saying? Like for Dante Wright, for example, he got he got killed over an outstanding warrant that he had, I, I believe, and it was because he he had a little joint. I I, I think that's what it is. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something yeah, around something him like having getting caught with a joint. Did he should go to collections and it was well, they trying to cash him. Over, him. They they pulled him over for expired tabs, but the problem with that was that he can't renew his tabs because of COVID. So there is a significant delay in having those tabs renewed and the officers that pulled him over knew that and the sheriff supposedly enforced that and they were supposed to know that as well so that just goes into the racial profiling of the whole situation itself um regardless of the whole situation um that he got pulled over in the first place but i say my my initial feelings toward the verdict was in the first place we so waking up this morning it was a regular day for me because there was the tension the tension had been there and it had been a perpetual feeling since the trial started it never went away the tension just rose today slightly i'd say but the thing that caught me off guard that switched my mood so drastically was how they came to a conclusion so quickly yeah they weren't supposed to we didn't anticipate that they'd come out with a verdict today because usually it'll take two to five days so because they came to a conclusion so quick and it was so abrupt everybody was like what's going on yep yep. they said (laughs) 3 30 to 4 o'clock everybody was like do y'all see it's on everybody tune in tune in tune in turn on cnn and everybody was tuned in and everybody had their breaths their breaths hold held and i mean i was shaking myself it was super nerve-wracking to say the least and when it happened when he was charged it was relief but how everyone is emphasizing justice 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 it's not justice to me it's accountability yeah i don't just to go back to what you said i don't understand why we're dancing with this whole situation why do we have why do we need to have a trial for a murder that was caught on video the evidence is there yeah yeah what are we doing we wasted four weeks with this reopened wounds in our black community disrupted everything feelings and emotions were off the charts exponentially all over the place violence erupted and people expressed themselves in not the best ways but it was like putting salt in the wound so I can say I had a little joy, right? Because I was watching this before, the day before, and I, I was too angry. I couldn't watch it. My mom was just stuck in the tea. I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. I stayed up all late last night. Yep. I went. I woke up late, like I said. And the reason why I was joyful is because, man, <laughs> if they didn't give this man, you feel me? If they did, if they said yeah, some goofy stuff, happened, mm-hmm. come on, man. Like, 
I'm not even. Yeah, bro. I don't care about none of that. The only thing I care about is the fact that, because you know, it's a system. Yeah. They control the time. They control the news. It's a system. Yeah. As long as they they give the man justice, and actually like you know he actually gonna go to jail. No weird stuff. No yeah. lagging on. It's good. It's all cool. I see Joe Biden crying and stuff. Cool. That's great. <laughs> I'm just you know like yeah. that's all yeah. I know. Because like, if they didn't, it would be all out war. Man, it would been some other stuff. I mean, to Marcus' point, man, I saw something on Twitter, like, not even 10 minutes after the verdict, and they're like, we don't cheer on fish to swim. And we over here celebrating justice p- for being served, and that kind of puts perspective of how damaged we are as a community. Yeah, yeah. And how the justice is kind of flipped. Like, the justice system hasn't served justice for us so many times where when it does what it's supposed to do, what it's really supposed to do, we are celebrating as, it like, it's once in a blue moon type of thing. So I think that just reflects on how the systems like so much it deteriorates our lives it deteriorates our mentals where it's almost like it's distorting us to believe in things that are rare happening like it's a celebration yeah, like when, a celebrate yeah when, and the fact of the matter is like in real life it is a celebration like but the fact that it like it feels like it takes so long for something to finally happen and as much as people don't want to say it and as much as the evidence was there like, the fact that another brother got killed just, like, in the midst of this trial. In the midst of the trial, man. You know, like, not even, bro, 10 miles or 10 minutes away, bro. It's just, like, when is it going to, like, it gets to the point, like, we, when is it going to stop? Like, if they didn't see last year what was going to happen, and they kill another brother again, it just made me sick to, like, if they don't find him guilty, it's not, like, it's going to be watts riots it's gonna be rodney king riots it's gonna be of that magnitude and even more so i mean i'm it, that's why i'm saying like it was such a big relief because i didn't really want to see my city go through that uh minneapolis go through that just in general so yeah. it was just a big relief for me i'm glad it all worked out but now it's to the point where we'll talk about this throughout the podcast but like we always say next steps but i really want to like dig down to what can we really do and what can the listeners really do Beyond just the petitions, beyond doing that, but how can they feel like their voice is heard and beyond that, how their voice yep. is actually making an impact? That's a great point. What you just said, I like to touch on. Before I even make a suggestion, I'd like to share my belief that those who would like to be heard should not say even mutter a word that their heart does not feel. After your heart is in the right place, then you are under consideration to join the conversation. I type this down right here. Malcolm X once said, I'm for truth no matter who tells it. I'm for justice no matter who it is for or against. I'm a human being, first and foremost, and as such, I'm for I'm for whoever and whatever benefits humanity as a whole. Listeners, hold on to Malcolm's words as well as mine to be anointed with the belief that the truth, the ability to I, I to identify right from wrong, is confined to no race. Today's verdict furthers the notion that. You will be heard if you're if you are consistent in what you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. 
that the voice of sound, unity, something intangible via the spirit of a movement and tangible via the quantity of such movement cannot be broken. That's deep. Man, it gets to the point too where people, it's crazy because people won't want to hear something like that. They so, like if you were to say that quote from Malcolm X in front of a predominantly white audience, their ears gonna close as soon as you say Malcolm X. Yeah. And the crazy part is his quote is exactly a rebuttal to that where I'm not, Mal I'm a human. So you're attaching these things to me based on what you see in the media and then you closing yourself off to some truth and some like a prophetic word because of yeah. what you are attaching to this person. Yeah. And like it's, we've talked about this so many times before. Like we know, like we know kind of the formula to change, but it's like we have been relying on other people so long to see some change and it's like they won't see it. It's like no matter what we do, matter how many people die it's like they not they not seeing it and now the brothers we starting to you know we starting to wake up from it it's like yeah. that tupac interview that's like you knocking on the door let me in like let me in, long, yeah. longer you waiting like we finna bust down this door you gonna bust out like, yes we yes, seen yeah. this happen like in front of our eyes like people were tired of it and the, the agenda's still gonna be there the narrative's gonna be there but it's to the point where like we tired of it man and you know we've like the group chat my homies we be talking about it we like if we don't get to see it i hope my kids see it and that, that's like we shouldn't be having that thought process you know as 18 year old young men you know on our way to college we we already talking about what we're not going to see in our lifetime and it's just crazy how everything around us has made us think like that like well we're not going to see it and we not even a quarter with done with our lives yet yeah it's just crazy man um i can say though like um and I, I, I got the opportunity to speak um, at my school's walkout that we did. Uh, me and Marcus go to dealer cell. We attend dealer cell. And I believe it was Monday that a lot of the schools in our district, um, which such as Cooper, Champlin, Osseo, all, all, we took initiative as, as the youth to kind of just organize something and, you know, uh, stand up to the authority and to the administration and protest and you know and advocate use our voice and advocate for what we believe in and uh i i said in my speech that honestly i don't know if change is going to come and you know i can't lie and say like yeah like because of this you know because of the verdict you know I, I can see things changing i really don't know uh you know it could it can really just go back to being reversed for a case just as dante writes so but what I said in that speech is that um, what we're kind of doing now as the youth, what we're what we're already kind of putting in place and solidifying, you know, as far as organizing and being able to stand up to the administrations or the powers that be and advocate and use our voices. That gives me hope for the future. You know what I'm saying? That gives me hope for the future generations, for like our children and stuff. And it's 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 sad in the sense that we have to have that mentality and we have to come to that, that sad understanding that we may not actually see this and it might be reality for our lifetime, but you just have to keep pushing. We have no other choice, but to keep, you know, trying to strive for that change that will come in the, in the later future, you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> and touching on what he said, uh, Joshua, right? Yeah. It's like, like Pac said in the interview, a lot of people I hope got to watch that one day. I just one thing I said that res 
resonated with me the most is like I was blessed enough to have my father in my life you know growing up as a kid I'll never take that for granted but it's just the facts of understanding like if you don't stand for nothing you fall for anything you know so you got to stand for something or you let anything be happening around you and your community or your people and I think the biggest thing that like you said what can we do as a people or like change uh, to come I believe the thing that resonated with me the most is what I feel like what J. Cole said in a couple of his interviews was the system is, you know, the system and it's universal. It's not just one system. You could talk about it. We could break this down from, from the top to the bottom of everything that's going on in the, the whole country, the whole world, period. But I feel like we're paying too much. We're starting. We, we became so attached to just paying so much attention to what it's doing to us to now we're not looking within. And actually like taking a step back and being like okay hold on what can i change within me so that i can stop allowing this to control me you know and i believe that's the only cure at the moment in our lives right now is to take a step back and look in the mirror and start within ourselves first and foremost you know practicing what we preach and then starting in our communities and starting it like that and going from there but that's the only hope i feel like um so in addition to what Joe said, we did have a walkout at our school and I had the pleasure of speaking at that walkout. It was a beautiful time, a beautiful assembly. And one of the things that I mentioned was how we're not seeing the bigger picture to resolve the bigger issue. I think one of the biggest ways moving forward that we can contribute to change is to look at the living issue rather than the dying issue, right? When a black man dies in America, he gets shot by the police. We protest. We have demonstrations. We speak about how we feel. But little do they know that we go through these things. We go through trials and tribulations as black men in America every day that lead us up to that point. That lead us up to the point at a traffic stop with a gun, with guns pointed at us. That lead us to the point of serving in the army still being pepper sprayed held at yeah. gunpoint to lead us to the point where we're being beat senselessly in the street by police officers that lead us up to the point where we have a knee on our neck for 10 minutes begging for our lives yep And so, like he was saying as well, it, you know, it really starts with awareness, true awareness. And that that starts with something because a lot of a lot of times, like even speaking on it, it's sensitive. Race, all these these subjects, and stuff is a sensitive thing. But I do like, I don't like, and I do like the fact that it's a now it's. It's all on the news. It's a worldwide thing. I really, it's interesting. I really want to know what, how things are going to change. And for me, I'm starting with 
my company and trying to implement you know private security trying to implement us protecting our own people you know and moving differently you know we don't we don't need to feel safe just because you have a big car with all these lights and a gun and a tase and all that kind of a lot of the times you know badging a lot of times the problems don't even need to escalate that yeah. far yeah it's like no. power or something because you got a big old light with the yeah. you know it's just That's you gotta calm that stuff down police reform yeah. I ain't trying to hear that man <laughs> and when they talk about I remember my first my older brother he was when he, he was back home from college when he actually flew home uh, when you know George Floyd was murdered and he was the one who first told me like abolish the police straight up and I'm like thinking like when I first heard it I'm like what you mean by that like and then he said we're not talking about like abolishing law enforcement we just like the police way they are policing is yeah. killing it's not policing like we they call gangsters the police. we we call yeah you heard that bro like the police is the biggest gang in america type stuff bro that's what i mean everybody know that and it's like we call the police for having a cat in the tree domestic domestic or issues like there's people who are trained for this like man you see all these like twitter bro you see as many takes as you can see they talk about they talk about some like how can a trained nurse care for like a sociopath like in a bed but a trained officer can't de-escalate a traffic it's, yeah man it's just yeah. showing everything wrong with it i think that abolishing the police or for people who say abolish the police i think that statement within itself is extremely destructive because for those who may not know i live in north minneapolis and also for those who may not know, there is a lot of gun violence happening right now in North Minneapolis. Last Sunday, there were shots fired exchanged between gang members and the National Guard in North Minneapolis. And those who scream, abolish the police are kicking our legs while they're broken. We need the police. I believe that it is not an elimination of one thing. I believe that it is a end and end cause. Keep the citizens safe yeah. and have police reform. Because if you subtract the police, like they've done in North Minneapolis, you get blood ran through the cities. I hear gunshots every night in North Minneapolis. Last night, 53 gunshots I counted in North Minneapolis. And they scream and abolish the police? Well, let's be honest too, you know, we can't abolish the police. You're right, you know, it's far-fetched. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Can't really abolish the police, but all that power that they have can die down because yeah. North Minneapolis is one place. Some places they swarm and you know, yeah, swarm with all these cops and stuff. It's like you don't even need that many people with all these guns and stuff talking about their police because then you're gonna have situations where you misuse your power. But where it's needed, 
Most definitely, you know what I'm saying? I think this is a good conversation, especially for you, Marcus, because yeah. you told me before, too, how, and, you know, the George Floyd, like, the aftermath of that, when the police just completely withdraw from the area and then we saw all the destruction. So my question to you, you know, because I'm not someone who is saying abolish the police, but I want to see in a system, a system where we have less, like, it's a, more of a specialized, like, form of law enforcement. So I mean by that, like, we got, you know, uh, if there's a domestic dispute, we got social workers who report to the house. And then if we got a violent dispute or anything like that, we got the people who are necessarily trained, you know, weapons training or, I guess, disarmament training, all that stuff, just a specialized police force. So how would you imagine a reformed police force in your community that can protect and do what the police, quote unquote, are supposed to do now and protect the surf? So, I think that the whole policing system now, collectively, not just in North Minneapolis, should just completely be redone. I think that proper training should be enforced, implemented, and policies be retaught. But... Let me put this into situation and have you guys visualize and internalize the feelings that I have walking down the street every day. So as we know, we are all black men sitting in this room right now. Yep. We face challenges in America every day. The weight that comes with wearing our skin, our blackness, realizing our blackness and being reminded of it every day. So, for those who may not know, I've had my fair share of physical altercations with the police. Unfortunate to say the least. And they have been very traumatic experiences. Nevertheless, the place that we're in right now in North Minneapolis is unimaginable with violence, with shootings, with violent crimes, robberies, theft, you name it. Group of groups of kids running around stealing cars. This this is not normal. I'm not I cannot I cannot make this up. Yep, yep. Okay? So every time I walk outside of my house, I have this weight on my shoulders. a weight on my shoulder right both of my shoulders weighing me down it's a perpetual feeling of being frantic paranoid and on high alert every step that i take whether it's on my porch the moment i step outside of my house that feeling is a switch it turns on fight or flight I have that same feeling when I see a police car. Yep, yep, yep. I feel that. So walking down the street with no one to turn to for safety, it seems as though I have that perpetual feeling wherever I go as opposed to just seeing a police car and when they vanish, it vanishes. 
but it still lingers every step of the way. And so putting that into perspective, you can imagine those collection of feelings and how it can consume you and how it can make you fearful. It's fear, fear, it's fear. And to touch on that, I feel that a thousand percent, but like, I feel like you already had spoke on was like the reform thing. It's not right that police officers who stay in, I believe they said that Kim Potter, Porter, I don't know her name yeah. exactly. Yeah. She stayed from like Champlin or something. Yep. So she pulled over a kid in Brooklyn Center. Like what's you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. 12 shouldn't have, you know, jurisdiction over places they never lived at. Yep. 12 shouldn't have jurisdiction of places like North Minneapolis, Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center, where it's predominantly black kids yep. that's roaming, African kids that's roaming 24-7. So it's better to me, like, the people, like he said, that should be around those communities are people that are specialists, but people that are actually from there yep. and that know yep. what's going on in those communities, that know from yep. the Liberians, the West, forget the Liberians, the West, the East, whatever part of Africa, yep. you yep. know, in these parts of um, uh, Minnesota. I feel like that would be the best you know cure to that yep. but like you said for you got to start from the top and and on honesty a lot of people coming from communities that we come from where it's violence and you know stuff going on they don't want to look and you know look at the bigger picture they want to look at you know the blame i feel like and they want to point the finger and we could do that ever we could blame we could sit here for for five hours straight and be like well we could blame this blame that blame that but at the end of the day it's like I feel like that's what they want us to do. You know what I'm saying? So we have to look in the mirror first and foremost. And it's hard, but it's got to start somewhere. And we can't rely on nobody else to solve our problems from us. You already see how they're treating us. That's definitely deep. Yeah. See. But to go on to what you're saying, I think that another good way to move forward is that, like I said before, we fail to realize the, li- the living issues more than the dying issues that lead us up to the point of us being killed by police officers. So I think that us as African-Americans as a whole and black men especially to continue to voice, not only voice our opinions, but voice our experiences. Because I'm doing it for not only me, I don't write for me. I write for you, 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 and you. And I write for George Floyd. I tell the story because they're not here to tell it. We are all sitting here, George Floyd, Michael Brown, Philando Castile, Trayvon Martin. We're all George Floyds. The only difference between us and them is that we're still here. We made it home and they did it. Yep, that's deep, bro. That's we so tell the deep. story because they can't tell it. It's on us now. And it's not us. It's not on us to solve the problem. We're telling y'all the problem. It's up to y'all to solve it. We didn't put ourselves in these positions. We are in indigenous disposition. And that's that's the powerful. Biggest, the biggest thing, you know, that, you know, as me, I, I like to I like to be a thinker, and sometimes it backfires because some situations cause for more emotion than thinking. But when I see these ha- these situations happen a lot of time, 
I like try to think of what could really be um, a solution. And one thing I want to discuss with you guys is the inside out versus outside in. What I mean by that is, you know, as a community, as to heal, as to empower us, do you think that process is an inside out process? So we start from within and work our way out, which is like what you're more saying or a process that I'm being more accustomed to now. I, I used to be, or what I used to think is like, all right, it's our problems, we got to fix it. But being around people like Marcus, and I'm glad for it, the two times I've been with him in this podcast, he showed me the more outside-in approach where we shouldn't have we shouldn't have to have this responsibility. We like um, there's another young woman. I think what's her name from and- Andrea or Andrea? Andrea, um, Andrea, Andrea Tribble. Yep. There was something she said about you know young black women being strong and that stereotype and how it's almost like a paradox in a way. Like yes, we proud that they're strong, but. Why do they have to be strong at such a young age when they shouldn't have to go through these things? They got to be the mom of the household. When they 12 years old, they got to cook for their family. They got to take care of their little siblings like they are mother and they 12 years old. Yeah. So it's like, just back to my original question, just do you think it's an inside out process where we got to get our community right first? Or is it we're going to need some outside intervention from, you know, the larger systems and things of that nature? both because in the inside out part you know some of us are so ignorant man we killing our own selves you know what i'm saying yeah some of us are so fucked up that we we not even worried about none of that going on man we worry about on gang on 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 folks on whatever the hell you on you know what i'm saying yeah and then when you look at us as a black people too they be like many people not serious man you know what i'm saying it just and then from a community perspective too you know if things were more peaceful if we actually owned our own thing and had our own community none of this would happen like they they wouldn't even have to because we already having domestic fights and having oh oh baby mama drama and all this kind of mess to have the, a reason to call the cops and have a reason to be violent and all this kind of mess so everything should should be balanced you know and we don't be really be thinking about the fact that we don't really have that much of a community. We don't own stuff. We don't. This is their world. They, they own this stuff. You know, we looking around thinking that we run shit on, on, on folks. On, and you're on a street that was named by a white dude, man. What are you talking about? You know, like. So, I mean. Yeah. Fred Hampton once said, we've got to face the fact that some people say you fight fire best with fire. But we say to we say you put the fire out best with water. We say you don't fight racism with racism. We're gonna fight racism with solidarity. Mm. He also said, these people in this oppressed class have divided themselves. They say I'm black, and I hate wh- white people. I'm white and I hate black people. I'm Latin American and I hate hillbillies. I'm hillbilly and I hate hippies. So we fighting amongst each other. Pertaining to self-development and empowerment and needed, it indeed all starts within. By the grace of God, of course. Simultaneously, however, we should not fight amongst each other is how I interpreted 
the things that Fred has said. We should allow in the outside because you don't fight racism with racism. You fight racism with unity, with togetherness. Only through doing that can we make substantial, meaningful steps toward change. Therefore, invite the ignorant to learn and invite the other minoritized to fight. People saying abolish the police that don't understand the complexities of it that Marcus has explained. While you were speaking, I was just listening because I needed to listen. I didn't want to speak. Yep. I wanted to take in everything y'all were saying. Thank you for that. <laughs>